Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. God is doing a new thing, and it involves you. Do you believe it? Good morning. I think you can tell by looking I am not Curcio Mota. Yes, unfortunately, um, Curcio um, gave me a call yesterday around 2 o'clock. I guess I called him because we've been in conversation throughout the week. Uh, a couple of members of Curcio's household were tested positive for COVID, and you know how that goes. It changes your life a bit. And so to protect all of us, he said, you know, as much as I hate to give it up, I can't be there tomorrow to speak, and so I agreed to fill in in his place. He did not, however, give me his sermon notes. <laughs> For those that don't know, my name is Ed Wright. I, at one time, served as senior pastor of this congregation, so I thought to myself, certainly in the 20 years that I was at College Dale, I would have preached a New Year's sermon. I'll just pull one of those things out of the computer, we'll be good to go. So I quickly went to my computer, fired up College Dale, looked down through, and wouldn't you know, there was a very important January 1 of the year 2000 that fell within that time frame. I thought to myself, I'll find out what I said at the beginning of the new millennium. Certainly this would fit on any new year's day. But when I opened the file, it looked strangely as though it belonged in 2008. You see, I had overwritten it with a different message for a different place, a different time. I, to this moment, can't remember what I said. On January 1, 2000. So you can see I'm living testimony to the um, uncertainty of our times. The reality being, you know, back in 2000, beginning of a new millennium, there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, in those days, it had to do with the Y2K phenomenon. You know, when computers were really birthed back in the 19th century, to save precious RAM, all years were reduced to just two digits. It was either 86, 87, 88. As we got into the 90s, a few far-reaching individuals realized, wait a minute, there's going to come a year 2000. What then? What will happen to all of our, our mortgages and financial institutions and, and electric power grids? It's all going to melt down. And so a lot of companies, a lot of healthcare systems, every business under the face of the earth, uh, under the, no, under the... Yeah, on the face of the earth, under the sun, they put in a lot of time. New code was written and tested and rewritten sometimes. And wouldn't you know, the dawning of the new millennium came without a hitch. Many fears, unrealized, not because they weren't legitimate, not because something needed to be fixed, but because it was fixed. Praise the Lord for people who plan ahead, who think ahead. So for us today, we're standing at the dawn of a new year, 
not a new millennium, but 2022 plans to be a new year. Is it good to have the old one behind us? Are you glad that 21 is in the rear view mirror? Part of me says yes. Oh man, enough COVID headlines. I don't want to remember. Are we done with COVID? No, obviously we're not. What else happened in 21? Eh, Probably the most tumultuous presidential transition in U.S. memory. And all kinds of other stuff. Oh, some good stuff. Civilians in space. Who knows, maybe next year it'll be you. If you're a billionaire. Are we making progress in some areas? Perhaps. Maybe it was a personal triumph or tragedy that stands out in your own thinking. Oh, I know in our family, we buried a grandchild last year. That was a tough experience. Not that we didn't see it coming. He had been diagnosed with a difficult disease years prior to that. But still, it's just an invasion of this enemy in your life. Death is not easy, is it? Whether of a grandchild, a son or a daughter, a spouse, a grandparent, it doesn't matter what the context, it's difficult. You may have lost a job. You may have lost a marriage. Or there might have been some personal victories. It may be that you graduated, you got married, you got the first job. There are those highs and lows of life that blend into this record called 2021. But let's face it, that's now history. The good, the bad, the ugly, it's history. Even our failures, history. Now we're standing poised looking at the future, and we naturally ask, what's next? Wouldn't you love to be able to answer that question? What's Next. I've long been a fan of Max Dupree, um, who served as owner and, and the CEO of a furniture company, a Fortune 500 company named Herman Miller. But more than just being a very successful businessman, he understood a lot about leadership, and he lectured often and wrote books. I've read many of these books with teams with which I've served. They're great books. Yeah, they're, they're dated a bit, but they apply to life, even today. And in one of his lectures, um, there was a little bit of time left over for some questions and answers, and Herman Miller was asked the question, excuse me, Max Dupree was asked the question, um, what do you have to struggle with personally when it comes to, to your own decisions, your own life? What is it that you have to pay attention to? He said, I can answer that simply. It is to intercept entropy. Now, he didn't go into a great explanation. And Entropy is a word that we don't use in everyday language unless you're a physicist. But I think it refers to that second law of thermodynamics that talks about the conservation of energy, basically meaning that things tend to slow down over time. 
things left to themselves will deteriorate. Huh. Have you noticed? Yes, I find evidence of that every time I get up in the morning and look in the mirror. My hair doesn't comb itself. I'm aware of that every time I step into my garage. It seems to collect junk that's not in its proper place. Hmm. Things tend toward disorganization. That's what Max Dupree was talking about, right? And so to intercept entropy, to keep that from happening, is to somehow make a decision to say, wait a minute, rather than coast into oblivion, take the easy route to mediocrity, I'm going to do something else, something different. I'm going to act. I'm going to choose. As we read on the screen a few moments ago, God wants to do a new thing, and it might involve me. That would be to intercept entropy, would it not? Now, I don't know that Max Dupree was known by a young Australian named Ian Usher, but he seemed to act on that premise, at least in his way. You see, Ian Usher, back in the early 2000s, actually it was June 22 of 2008, he put his entire life on auction. Those were in the days when eBay was big, and so his whole life went up. He says, I'm tired of my life. You can have it to the top bidder. They had seven days in which to bid on a three-bedroom house in Australia, which is great if you live in Australia or want to live in Australia. Uh, he had a car. He had a motorcycle. He had a jet ski. The auction also included a one-time introduction to his best friends and a two-week introduction to his job. He worked at a carpet store in Sydney. So, who wants to bid? And he thought to himself, I don't know, all that stuff put together. By the way, his boss, his friends, they were all in on the, the conditions of this auction. He says, all of that together, I should be able to realize maybe two, three hundred thousand dollars, three hundred and thirty-nine. That's what he said. Three hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars should get me on my way. And what did he intend to do? Should he cash in on such a sum? Well, he said, on the day it's all sold, June 29, that's what he decided. It was going to be a seven-day auction window. On the day it's all sold, I intend to walk out of my front door with my wallet in one pocket, my passport in the other, and nothing else at all. You get the feeling that Ian Usher is a bit of a minimalist traveler. Agreed? And there's something freeing about being a minimalist. Get rid of it all and just kind of take one step at a time and see where it takes you and away we go. Oh, he did agree he was going to stop and say goodbye to his mom first, but then it was head to the airport and off with the old and on with the new. So how did it work out for Ian Usher and his big life on eBay? Well, good news is the winning bid 
was not $339,000. Oh, no, no, no. The winning bid was $2.2 million. Bad news being that was from a 15-year-old with no cash at all. But he had backup bids, and so he went down through the backup bids, one after the other, and to his dismay, not one of them came through. It was a bunch of fluff. But not to be undone, he decided, I'm, I'm committed. I'm going to do this thing anyway. He had set his mind on, assuming he cashed in as he hoped to, he had set his mind on a bucket list of 100 personal goals that were going to be accomplished in 100 weeks. That's a pretty ambitious goal, isn't it? And they were scattered around the world. And so he set off. He hadn't accomplished what he had meant to to get started, but he had a credit card or two. So he went to the airport, and away he went. And he was used to living frugally. He could do that. He began to check off those goals one at a time. He was making progress. Good news. Six months in, his house finally sold. Ha ha, cha-ching, that's something to kind of fuel the process just a little bit more. And he went from place to place and check, check, check. He was making good progress. And then he got a call from an agent in Hollywood from a little studio called Walt Disney. They wanted movie rights to his little story. Well, not quite like the auction he had thought, but Sounded good enough to him, and one option led to another option, and eventually they ended up paying him almost a quarter of a million dollars. Ian wrote a couple books. By the time he had checked off all 100, yes, he completed 100 bucket list goals in 100 weeks. He was living in a little log cabin in Canada, I understand, when winter set in, and about then, the big check from Disney arrived, and he thought to himself, do I want to stay here through the winter? I don't have to stay here through the winter. So he moved to Panama and bought a small island off the coast, and that's where he settled in. Life is good when you're Ian Usher and you've got a brand new life ahead of you. I mean, life is good for a while, but inevitably, that little question crops up again, right? So, Ian, what's next? How much time can you spend in that hammock? Well, he spent four years there, and then he got tired of it. In fact, he thought to himself, I've, I've written these books. I've, I've got a lot of media attention out of this thing. I think I'll try auctioning my life a second time. I'm not really so sure how it went that second time. I do know he sold the Caribbean island, and he and the new woman in his life are still traveling the world. They house-sit in different places around the world. Uh, they teach English at least 50 days a year to kind of fund their enterprise. They, they know how to live frugally, and that's a cool thing. You can find his website. I think it's unfettered life or something like that. And it's great, isn't it? I mean, he has a lot to say about living the unfettered life. If adventure is what you're after, Ian may be your answer. 
But I would still ask, after the adventure, what next? What of substance, what of meaning is the next step that God would ask of you and me today? Oh, I love to travel. A part of me would say, give me a piece of that island. (laughs) But I think God is asking for more. For you, for me, today, what is his will? I'm inviting you to open our textbook, 1 Peter chapter 1. That's kind of a fitting place to go, isn't it? On the first day of the new year, the first letter that Peter wrote in the first chapter, we won't begin in verse 1, but we will begin in verse 3. 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's a nice place to begin, just saying praise to God. After all, we owe him an awful lot, do we not? We are believers. We are Christ followers. We're here to hear him. We come weekly to worship him. We are all about this, so we too can say praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. There's that term that we heard Jay read a few moments ago in the welcome. Yes, to everyone born in Christ, we are a new creature. Praise God for a new birth. And who doesn't need God's great mercy? Well, we hear a lot in our world today about the, the need for justice, social justice, personal justice. And I think to myself, do I really want justice? Do I want what I deserve? No, I don't. I want, I need grace. I need mercy. I don't want to get what I deserve. The good news is, as we stand here on January 1, 2022, we don't have to be bound by our bad decisions in 21 or any time. Oh, they may have lingering consequences. That often happens. But the shame, the the remorse can be gone because God has promised forgiveness. He says our sins are buried in the depths of the sea. That is good news, isn't it? So we praise him for his great mercy and the fact that he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Stop, 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 stop. This new birth thing. Yeah, we're, we're used to hearing about it. Jesus was the first one to really kind of capitalize on that idea, wasn't he, in that conversation, the nighttime conversation with Nicodemus? Nicodemus had questions. He couldn't understand. Jesus did his best to, to try and, and explain and draw upon nature. and yet You understand the wind. You can see where it's blowing. But Nicodemus is still wondering, how is this supposed to happen? How do I back up the clock and start again? I certainly can't get back into my mother's womb. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a fresh start, 
a new beginning. Oh, we like that idea. I'll be honest, Marilyn and I are captivated by some of these home renovation programs. And if we have a couple of minutes in an evening, we'll oftentimes pull up HGTV and um, our personal favorite right now, anyway, is My Hometown. Are you familiar with that? This couple that is kind of reworking Laurel, Mississippi and taking old, decrepit pieces of property and turning them into some really nice homes. Some of those places start out with trees growing through the porch, dead critters on the inside, water damage so bad that the the roof is caved in. I mean, this is bad stuff. And many times, the prospective owner of that property walks in and says, I can't look. Ooh, it smells bad. Oh, let's get out of here. You understand. You've watched enough of that too, right? Pretty bad stuff. But you would not believe what they end up walking into in just 45 minutes or so. It's amazing. That's why I love it. You just look at that transformation, the before, the after, the before, the after. How do they do that? I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, they're turning out one of these things every week. So is it possible that they really did all of this to this house in one week's time? Not just the 45 minutes. I know that's not true. But, but a week, can they do it that quickly? I'm a bit of a handyman myself. I know that I can't do it that quickly. And then I recognize they've got help. They've got a team, right? A team of people, they're full-time employees that work with them all the time. They've got designers, engineers, architects, decorators. They've got the whole thing. And when it's beyond their scope, they have a lot of people in town that they know. So they can go get this thing welded out of metal and this custom table. Of course, many times he does that himself. Or, or if it's a foundation problem, they bring in the experts. Aha, uh-huh. so that's the secret. You just have to have more resources, more coming to bear to make this transformation that I want to see in my life. No, let's pause right there. The Bible's talking about a new birth not a renovation. What's the difference? Well, obviously, one's biological, one's more physical. But the idea being, it's not just a remodeling that God is after. He wants to start from scratch. Would you agree? The new birth idea means the old way is dead. A new way has begun. So more than just him saying, yeah, that's a pretty pathetic piece of property, but you'll be amazed at what I can do with it. He's saying, I don't want the building at all. All I want is the building site. We're going to bulldoze the building. We're going to build from scratch, brand new, ground up. Hmm. See, God has a way of going about things that go a whole lot deeper than what I think I need. And if I'm honest, I realize that deep inside of me is an ego that doesn't quit, is a self-serving spirit, is a a person who's who's more concerned about my own comfort, my own preferences, my own own sense of priority than others and, and what they might need. Oh, God says, you need a new birth. 
not just a coat of paint. Let's give you a new heart. So, if he gives me a new birth, what does that include? Well, it says it's a new birth into a living hope. We all like the word hope. Hope is forward thinking, isn't it? It's not regret for the past. It's not, let's uh, reprocess that one more time. Let's see if we can't learn something. Well, all that's important, but hope is looking forward. By very definition, it's investing in the future. But let's be honest, there's a lot of my hope that has very little to do with reality. I looked at the weather forecast this morning. Hmm, severe weather scheduled for College Dale later this afternoon. So I say to myself, I sure hope those storms aren't too severe. So how much influence does my hope have on reality? Nothing. It's a statement of my own desire, my own wishful thinking, but my hope left to itself is really powerless. I can't do anything with my hope. So what is this living hope that he promises for me? Is it a hope that looks beyond my current reality? Everything that I see on the horizon. My own abilities, my own inabilities, my experience, my lack of experience. Whatever the realities of my life, the difficulties, the challenges, the setbacks. Yes, in fact, even the tragedies. Regardless of all of that, he gives a forward-looking hope based not on my power or my intellect, but based on his plan for my future. Because God can be trusted. His promises are secure, and they go way beyond my life, my shortcomings, my efforts in the year 2022. He gives us a living hope, hope that may be beat down once in a while, but it's alive. It comes back to life. It springs up. It's still with us because it's a living hope given through this new birth experience. In fact, he goes on, there's more, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Have you ever been named in someone's will? You're only named, well, typically you're named in a will if you're an heir. That means you're born into the family, right? You're a relative, you're a son, a grandson, a, a I don't know, a nephew perhaps, of somebody that's got something they want to leave to you. Now, my Bible tells me that uh, we are, in fact, heirs. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in Galatians 4, 7, you find out that we're no longer slaves, but sons. And since you are a son, God also made you an heir. That's good news, isn't it? So we've kind of been adopted into his family. He makes us sons. We weren't born into the family naturally, but because of that new birth experience, now we're part of the team. We're part of the family. We are heirs with him. 
Oh, that means we get a part of the inheritance. A guy named Marty Johnson didn't know much about his own family history. He knew that he was raised not by his birth mother and father. He had been adopted out. And their only explanation was, well, his parents were young, they were students, they weren't married, they weren't in a position to raise a child, and they had decided back then when he was first born that they would adopt him out. And so he had been given up to them, and of course they were happy to have him. He was an answer to their prayers. They made him feel very welcome, but he was still adopted. And there came a time in his adult life where he wanted to know more. What was going on? Who was his real mother? Well, what about his real dad? Is it possible to find out those kinds of things? Well, yes, in today's world it is. And one step led to another step, led to another step, until he eventually received this letter in the mail. Hmm. Welcome to the Ogiki dynasty. You come from a noble and prestigious family. And the letter went on to describe how Johnson was the next in line to inherit the position of village chief from his biological father, John Ogike, the current chief of Abo village in Nigeria. Well, this all sounds kind of interesting, kind of crazy. Is that for real? His questions were soon answered when he got more communication saying, we are sending you tickets to fly to Nigeria so that you can be installed as chief of the village. And sure enough, he got there. He went from being a person not knowing his real identity to being the chief of the village. He met brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins that he never knew he had. Talk about being transformed. Why? Because he had the genetics to prove it. He was the heir. Is it possible that we, who are basically pretty lost in this world by ourselves, oh, we're doing the best we can, but once we make a decision to become a part of Jesus' family, we are born again and talk about identity. We are sons, daughters of the king. And the good news is, unlike most wills on this earth that have to be divided among the heirs, in this new birth experience, the more heirs, the better. It doesn't diminish anybody's share. So the more that can be added to the family, the happier we will all be when we get to that earth made new, that family reunion gone wild. Oh my goodness, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And why do I like that phrase? Because a lot of times what we receive in a typical inheritance is stuff. Either stuff they didn't want, stuff they saved, stuff they thought was valuable and wasn't. I've got a collection of beanie babies that won't quit. 
In fact, I cashed in my 401k with Beanie Babies because I knew they would go up in value. Hooray! They didn't. No, the inheritance that comes in this life is typically one that can depreciate, can burn up, get stolen, disappear. How many different forces come about to diminish, to deplete, to destroy? The inheritance that we receive is nothing. The inheritance were given by Jesus. Now that is something. It will never perish, spoil, or fade. Why? Because it's kept in heaven. The only bank worth really caring about. Kept in heaven that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, notice verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter's a realist. Oh, he's talking to believers, but believers that are being persecuted for their faith. And he's saying, tough times may come, will come. Yes, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. Yes, your faith is more valuable than gold. Did you hear that? Gold? We tend to think of it as kind of, you know, the gold standard. That's the basis upon which everything else is valued, really. Have you looked at the price of gold this year? No, he's saying, your faith, far more valuable than gold. And he continues to describe it here. Um, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Yes, your faith is the substance of that hope. Your trust in Jesus goes well beyond anything that we bring to this thing in the new year. This new birth experience, oh, that's something we don't do on our own. He does it for us. Yes, at our request. So you may ask yourself, how does this all play out? Verse 9, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what really matters, is it not? The salvation of your soul and good news, you are receiving it. That's, that's in the present tense, isn't it? As soon as you accept Jesus, you begin to experience eternal life. Oh, you're not delivered from this world, its disappointments, its disease, all the rest of it. Right. We're still involved here, but we begin to experience a taste of eternity. Life is different. We are receiving the salvation of our souls, which brings a confidence, even in the midst of chaos, that we wouldn't have otherwise. So you're still asking, how does this happen? Turn the page, at least in my Bible, I turn the page, and I go to the end of that chapter, verse 23, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, there's that phrase one more time, in case you missed it, you're born again, new experience, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. And then he quotes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. That's the perishable side of things. That's the natural human experience. But we, if born again, experience the imperishable. And that's why he then goes on to quote that last part of Isaiah 40, verse 8, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So how do you receive this new birth experience? Through the word of God. Have you ever noticed when God speaks, things happen? That was true at creation. And every day was a good day. When things came into existence out of nothing, just the Word of God was enough to make it happen. What do you suppose God has in mind for your life and mine this coming year? When He speaks, when His divine purpose and will says, this is it, this is the time, it's time for you to take that next step, oh, what's it going to be? I don't know. But when God speaks, things happen. But you know, there's, there's another understanding of that Word of God, not just His words spoken in real time. We believe that this, too, is God's Word. Would you agree? So with that in mind, read those that, that final verse again. Oh, I closed my Bible too soon, didn't I? All right, Ed, that's what I get for being in the old paper. And yeah, Here we are. All right. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. Think of this. This book, the Bible, as God's living and enduring Word. It was alive when he wrote it, when through the Holy Spirit, men of God wrote as they were moved, right? Those first century readers found it to be living and enduring. But down through the ages, believers have opened these pages to find direction, instruction, reproof, encouragement. Oh, there are times when it it cuts deep. There are times when it comes right across what you had in mind. Because God's Word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And there are times when we need to disconnect from that idea or that idea or that practice, that habit, that decision. No, we need to go God's direction. There are other times when we open this Word and find an encouraging Word, just what I needed to hear today. But let's be honest. There are also times when we open this Word and we're looking for something to, to direct our lives in that particular day, that, that decision that we're up against, a, a challenge perhaps. And we spend time in God's Word because that's our decision. That's our, our commitment. That's our discipline. We want to be in God's Word. But we read and we leave that time in God's presence not really sure 
what it was that he was trying to say to us at that moment in time. Have you ever found that to be true? A devotional life isn't always, yes, that was a great word, God, thank you. Now I know exactly what to do. And so you leave from that time wondering, well, God, I, I guess that was good. Hope that was good. Help me today. Many times later in the day, something will come from my reading that morning that reminds me, ah, that's what he wanted me to focus on. That's what I needed to hear. And even if I don't experience one of those aha moments, why do I continue to open God's word day by day and allow him into my life? It's because I want this to be my transforming point of reference. I want to behold him more every day. I don't want to be on my device so much that I'm influenced by all of those other things that are so easy to follow. I want to be a Christ follower. And just by opening his word, even if I'm reading things that, that I don't fully understand, even if it's reading a passage that seems to apply to somebody else some other time, some other place, doesn't, doesn't apply to me, still, God is present in his word. And by intentionally choosing to spend that time with him, I'm allowing him to wash through my life, much like I need a shower every day to cleanse me from all of the filth that I pick up along the way. I'm allowing him to do something in my life that I may or may not fully understand, but I'm choosing to spend time in the living, enduring word of God. At the beginning of this new year, we make decisions as we reevaluate life we say, you know, I'm going to get more exercise this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat better. Yeah, that no more sugar. Whose idea was that? Carol, where were you getting that from? Yeah, it's because my parents all said the same thing. We've had enough sugar for you. <sighs> Whatever it's going to be, I know that your decisions to, to redirect are going to build a better you, a stronger you, a healthier you. That's good. And you want to be a better husband, wife, parent, uh, son, daughter, th those relational things, those are good. There's a lot of things that we should kind of take stock in, reevaluate, and decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intentionally make a decision to do more of this and less of that. But among all of our evaluation, among all of our, of our deciding what we want to do in this coming year, 2022, this great blank canvas that lies in front of us, I pray that one thing that will be on your list, one thing that will be a, a growing priority in your life is this, the living and enduring Word of God. His Word, spoken to your life, Whatever its needs, whatever its opportunities, I can trust Him to take you to that place where you need to hear His voice. And it may be that you want to explore some sort of a reading plan of some kind uh, so that you, you're exposed to more than just your favorite passages of Scripture, but you're, you're exposed to lots of it. Our, our regular Sabbath school lesson quarterly does that very well. We're just getting started in the book of Hebrews right now. But there are other things that will, will direct your study to be more well-rounded, perhaps, so that you see the, the fuller picture of what God has in store for you in the future. Whatever it might be, 
Maybe it's a friend or two that are kind of walking this path with you, encouraging each other. That's a good thing too. One way or another, however it takes shape, I pray that you will spend more time in this living and enduring Word of God. That's the only way that we can face the future with confidence. Not because we're all that smart. Not because we're all that strong. Not because we can do everything that that needs to be done. Not because we do it all perfectly. We face the future with confidence, not in ourselves, but all in Him. And this is where we find Him. So I pray that God will bless you and your family in this year to come. And that throughout it all, the highs, the lows, the celebrations, and the tears, that you will experience a living hope that cannot be quenched. Pray with me. God in heaven, you know our lives. You know our decision points. You know our tough spots. You know our temptations. You know the opportunities that now lie before us. We could just kind of go on with the same old, same old, the way we've handled life up until this point. But truth be told, many times that really is settling for mediocrity. We've been nudged this morning to intercept entropy, to make choices that will redirect our lives and allow you to once again do your work within, a new birth experience within. We need an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Plant this living hope within our hearts as we day by day, morning by morning, spend time in your living and enduring word is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.